0: Damn, damn,
1: damn. true damn. underdog bam damn, damn, unleash damn, the power damn. with am <laughs> true damn.
0: underdog hey we, we're good looking dudes we ready we are recording we're live
1: we got my cereal
0: we don't even know what the fuck we're going to talk about is there anything hey, hey, Jason Waller, True Underdog, Unleash the Power Within. I've got John LeBlanc here on my Zoom. If you can take a look-see here, he is right here. We are going to go live, not only on Instagram, but also live on Zoom. So I'm bringing John in now. This will be recorded for our YouTube. We finally got our crap together, John. We can hear each other on this. And can mm-hmm. you guys hear me okay on the, on the phone? Can you guys hear me? Great. John, speak. Let's see if they can hear you.
1: You guys hear me all right? Fantastic. Okay, so good. we are good
0: to go. We are good to go. All right. Yep. Sarah says we're good to go. Everybody can hear us. We are good. There's no echoes. We've got two screens going. We've got YouTube. I'm sorry. We've got Zoom, and we've got live. And we're going to record this to put it on the YouTube channel. You can check us out at trueunderdog.com. You can check us out at iHeart. You can check us out at Spotify. You can check us out at Apple Podcast, And you can check us out at YouTube. You can see the last three that we've done on top of this one. John, you just got some funky face over on the uh, Instagram Live, but you're still good here. Let do see if you I, mean can I got a funky face? Answer. Well, you got funky face. It looks funky to me. Maybe it's, maybe it's my Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi sucks here in Troy, Michigan. Got Wi-Fi. For all the watchers out there, just so you guys know, I am wearing a Psycho Bunny t-shirt. Get you a picture of the giddy up here. Super excited about that. All right. Enjoying and you're eating cereal. Off of that, hey, look, I've got cereal. I'm extra hungry. I had great steak tonight, as well as some veggies. And now I'm getting ready to eat some oatmeal cereal. And we're going to do this live podcast. So, super exciting stuff. Okay. So what do we've got first? We uh, we did the COVID-19 live. It never recorded. Yeah,
1: look, I, we we can talk COVID, but there's been a lot of COVID talk already. I mean, unless you want to address it and say something, state of the state, whatever it is you want to say. but No, let me see.
0: Can you guys hear me if I turn down my phone? Can you guys still hear me here? Give me a thumbs up here on Instagram if you can still hear me even though my phone, phone is down. Let me know you can hear me, Danny. Uh, let me know, David Long, can you hear me live right now because I turned my phone down. Somebody give me a thumbs up. And you can hear me? Bam! All right,
1: we've got Sam, it right there. Sam, my
0: man. All right. All right, we're good. All right, Brock Holmes, baby in the house. All right, Sarah says we're good. I turned it down. We've got no double echo. Okay, let's jump right into it. Let me raise my seat a little bit. I feel like a midget. Let me sit up a little bit. See if this works. We got. This is how we. This is how we do. Uh, we do podcasts <laughs> with uh, social uh, separation. Is that what it's called? Yeah, this social, is social that, that works. All right. all right, I'm a damn gangster. I'm gonna eat while we do the podcast. Please don't mind. This is oats, honey, and almonds. Uh, they don't pay me to do this,
1: you. but I am going to eat while we do the podcast. Sponsored by cereal. Again, it's either Monster or cereal. Breakfast of entrepreneurs, dinner of right. entrepreneurs. Look, look, There's this a, shows a bad about thing. It. Listen, what on the
0: cereal thing? Like to keep it real. This shit's amazing, amazing. You don't believe me? Check it out. It's no, amazing.
1: Not your trainer anymore. That is, and I'm probably life. gonna
0: chomp and slurp a little bit. My apologies ahead of time. Please don't get pissed. All right? It's right, gonna be a
1: little gross. Go ahead. Passed on the sake. Went to the cereal for tonight. Unreal. Um, look, we've we've got a show about low lights, and uh, I have always wondered. <clears throat> you know, you've had a lot of failures over the course of your career. I'm sure, right? You can't mm-hmm. succeed all the time. But if you had to paint one failure for us, maybe your biggest one, your deepest scar in it does not have to be in the field of business. It can be family, friends. It could be anything along your journey. Let's call it from out of high school into the workforce and it's present. Maybe there's two, but let's limit it to like one to two. Can we talk about those? Do you have one? Yeah. We're trying to go deep, huh? huh? I'm, I'm so, going to go as deep as you can.
0: Do I have a bang energy drink down with right now? Actually, right now, listen, just so we know for the watchers, I got brisk iced tea. See this? Brisk iced tea for the folks. And I've got cereal of champions. I'm eating late because I intermittent, intermittent fast. Is that how you say it? Intermittent and fast. I don't even know how to say it. Anyways, I did the fasting thing. And... Uh, And uh, I'm trying to lose weight and eat healthy, so I've got oats. Um, So biggest failure, you're saying, as an adult, pretty much? Is that what you asked, or biggest?
1: Yeah, high school to now, after high school to now,
0: biggest failure. Mm -hmm. I would say I've got a couple of them. Well, I had my, you know, my daughter's my biggest, one of my biggest blessings ever, right? So Which uh, my first daughter, well, all of them are, but you know, when I had my <laughs> first daughter, I, was, I, I should have still been in high school, uh, but I, I should have been still in high school, but I graduated early, long story, got kicked out, whatever. Uh, but so I can't say that that was a failure that I didn't finish high school because I got kicked out for a lot of different reasons, mostly arguing with teachers and not understanding authority figures. Um, I would say the biggest failure I've had in life as an adult is probably family relationships with my family. I've done business with my family a long time and it's ruined a lot of relationships. You know this now, John, my dad works for me and my sister works for me. Uh, we've, it's been a long journey, a lot of years of ups and downs, but there was a lot more downs than ups. And it's struggled. It's put a wedge between me and my brother um, for a long time. So that's been a a sore spot for me. Uh, It's put battles, wars. And what I mean, I'm not talking about, oh, I'm mad at you. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking next level battles and wars uh, for years. And so that's probably been one of the biggest regrets is bringing family into business early when I didn't know how to manage it, uh, as well as I don't think they knew how to manage it. And uh, so that would be the first one I've, I've got. Do you feel like you know how to manage it now? I think I do a better job. I still struggle. Uh you know, when I first my dad worked for AT&T for years. He transferred to North Carolina. He, you know, he was blue collar. Uh mm-hmm. didn't make a lot of money. Was a little bit, you know, I would say a little less than than than, you know, middle class. I mean, we were we weren't poor. We lived in a trailer park. Um he he owned the trailer, owned the land, you know, but it it wasn't it wasn't average, right? It was a little below average. But my dad, you know, I'll give him credit, my mom credit, they worked their asses off. And I think that's where I get my work ethic from is, is they, they didn't care, they grinded, they worked, you know, he would work third shift, he would work second shift when he needed to get overtime hours, he would deliver papers. You know, my mom worked in a bakery, then she worked at 18th uh, at the the Print Center, she would work third shift. She's a workaholic, right? She's a straight gangster when it comes to work. So I I think I got my work ethic from them. And when I went out on my own to do my own thing, my dad just retired from uh, AT&T. And I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say uh, it was a great package. You know, it was a fake balloon type thing AT&T gave him, And then they had that Obamacare that came out and kind of ate up a lot of his check. And that's not a shot at the Democrats or Obamacare. I'm just saying Mm -hmm. that, (laughs) that that ate up a lot of his check. Okay. And, uh, he was struggling. And when I opened up the alarm company, I hired him to help deliver flyers. So he would get kids out of high school for minimum wage. And I paid him 400 bucks a week. And he would drive around in a car and drop those kids off to put out flyers. I would get calls while I was still working at Verizon. I would take these calls. I would book appointments. I would go sell the alarm deal. That's how I built the business from the ground up. When so I bought started him I, with you, like your dad was one of your first employees then? He sure was, and there was no issues then. And, you know, look, I'm going to be honest. With this podcast, it's it's reopened things for people, but I'm as real as it gets. I'm always raw and right to the point. So I've told people ahead of time as we make this, you're going to get pissed. You're going to get upset. (laughs) You're going to be mad that things come up. You may not like what I say. You may feel uncomfortable, but tough shit. I mean, at the end of the day, things are what they are, and we've all got to be accountable for it. I forgive. They forgive. We all have a better relationship for it but it does reopen wounds and I'm okay with that. I hope they are. Um, but he uh, we came into the office and started working and he was my installation manager. And what I mean by that is I had a lot of problems. Me managing the warehouse. We were small. We had a small office. I ran it out of my house for eight months and then got a really small office in Harrisburg, North Carolina. The office was about as big as this little office, 400 square feet or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was crazy. And I had a buddy of mine that worked for me. I grew up with as a kid that I felt was stealing from me. He was an installer and I felt like our profits were lower and our inventory was missing. And it bothered me because he was one of my best friends. And I was like, he was like a brother. And I was like, is he stealing from me? I couldn't figure it out. So I brought my old man in and he was to manage the warehouse and a couple of the installers, Chris being one of those installers. And so I was doing sales and trying to manage to grow sales guys and running these appointments and still working at the time. No, I just left Verizon. So it was like eight months into the business. <clears throat> and it was tough for me and my dad to find that understanding, that middle ground, right? Imagine this, you're 24 years old. Uh, hey, Ingram, uh, you've got your pops working for you, right? And he's used to being your dad. He's used to telling you, this is what you do. This is what you don't do. and now. I have to tell him, this is what we do. This is what we don't do. Mm-hmm. I think as much as an adjustment for him as it was for me, for my dad to realize, you know, oh, I work for my son. It, it was a tough thing. Now, you know, I he helped me grow, grow in the business. Let's not get it twisted. I mean, he busted his ass and didn't make a lot of money early on. He works hard. But he works his ass off. You know him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's one of the hardest yep. working people on the planet. But there's still a line of, you know, I'm the one with all the risk. It's still my company. It's still my decision. He didn't give me anything to open that company. He didn't write me a check. It wasn't his company. It was mine. And I had to let him know things were going to do that he didn't like. And, you know, as a young man, you know, I was blessed to have a dad that if I struggled with something, meaning I was confused on a decision I wanted to make in life when I worked at other companies before I had my own business, or I'm fighting with my wife, or I've got any kind of problems going on, arguing with a friend, I could always lean on my dad. To be like, hey, you know, what do I do about this? And he always had wisdom. Mm-hmm. And so now running a business, he never had that. He was a blue collar, you know, and there's nothing wrong with blue collar. They, I, I, that's what this world is built on. And a lot of blue-collar folks, it's a thankless job and people don't appreciate them enough. But, you know, that's what everything's built on. That's where I got my work ethic. And He wasn't, he's he's anti-management, you know, anti-this. He was a union steward, you know, It's just, uh, whatever. (laughs) So he struggled with decisions that I would make, and he struggled with what we would do or how we would do things. Well, when I brought him in, it turns out he unraveled and found out Chris was stealing, and we couldn't prove it. He would notice the inventory was gone. Uh, He would notice the jobs we were scheduled to install would be missing, door contacts, window sensors, whatever. And uh, hopefully Chris gets to listen to this, you son of a bitch. You know what I'm saying, okay? <laughs> it's all right. He got his. I'm just keeping it real, baby. Sometimes karma comes and bites you in the ass and Chris knows. But we found out this is when eBay was really big, right? And on eBay, Chris was smart enough not to have one, but stupid enough to use his dad's. I would look, pulled his dad's eBay up. This is early on, you know, 05. Oh yeah, 05. And I, I saw that all these contacts were being sold by a Bob. On eBay all these alarm contacts and I said this mother really really man so I was pissed so I also saw a Panthers jacket a Carolina Panthers jacket was bought on there and this son of a bitch was wearing it to work when he came to work one day and I got up on him like white on rice and I said hey man did you get that jacket He's like oh man my dad bought it on eBay and I about lost my shit
1: <laughs> and I wanted to hey there's no hiding
0: your oh emotions. Boy. Hold on, hold on. But I wanted to be sure. I wanted, dude, I didn't want to lose it. Dude, this was a kid I grew up with. My dad and his dad were best friends. His dad, my dad got transferred from AT&T to North Carolina. I looked up to this kid. You know, when we were living in Phoenix and we were Westside, Vario, Hollywood, you know, all these little gang to wannabe kids, right? When we had all that stuff going on, I was like, I was shook. I was, you know, what? So I was like, I got to find out 100%. Well, I figured it out and it was 100% because I bought an order and Bob emailed me and I found out this prick has been stealing from me. So I called him and when I called him, I told him what I found out. And he, oh, that's wrong. I said, dude, I'm looking at the proof. And I said, look, you're going to come back here rather than me call the police and you're going to face me man to man and tell me why to my face. And at the end of the day, you're going to be fired. We're going to move on, but you're going to explain to me why he hung up and like the little bitch that he is. He took off, I'm not kidding, this is what happened. He moved, he hid, he ran, he packed his shit that night and he moved all the way back to Arizona and left his wife and kids in North Carolina.
1: No way. I had to deal with
0: that. I had to deal with that, file charges, do all this stuff, he was that scared. And I called him and I'm like, all you have to do is man up and come to my office and deal with this. Because I wanted him to look to me face to face and tell me why he stole from me and lied about it. And he was too chicken shit to own his stuff that he moved, created havoc within his marriage, Havoc within his family. Went out there. I ended up filing charges. And about a year and a half later, you know, about eight months later, his wife moved out there with him or whatever I heard. I left it alone. I'm not going to sit here and chase somebody. I've already done what I could do. They extradited him. He got charges put on him. He called me crying, offered me a settlement. I told him to go fly a kite. I'll take his check and I never want to see him again. So it was years (laughs) later. We go back to pops. I know I go down different roads. Yes. Help me figure that out. I was appreciative. He was like, "Look, when I hired my pops." uh, Chris was scared and nervous. I knew something was wrong because he was like, dude, why are you hiring him? You don't trust me. I'm like, no, I need someone to manage this. What up? T E 10. What up, baby? Own up. Bam. So Tyler Brown, sorry, I, what's up, baby? Hey, I got oatmeal. Sorry. I've got, I got oatmeal syrup I've been eaten. So needless to say, I that was a great moment for us and an early moment, but then that led to growth and that led to me bringing Kevin Klink out to work for me and help me build the company. Right. And then there was a trust factor with my dad, and he doesn't like salespeople. Kevin's a sales guy, and all these things led on. And there was a lot of bumps in the road. Then my brother was a good buddy. Kevin, yeah, well, well. So me and Kevin, you know, knew each other from elementary, and we went to the same middle school, but we didn't hang out. And then I moved in high school, and then I went out there. My should have been my senior year, but I was already kicked out of school. I went out there for three months. I was heartbroken. Liz broke my damn heart. Drove out there. I was like, hey, and I went to school for a little bit, playing house or whatever. And then uh, came back, but I worked with Kevin at home security at this company over the phone. Anyways, I brought Kevin out to do this, and you know he he was in a spot where he needed something different, and things weren't working for him out in Arizona, and he came out and lived in my basement and helped build up our, our company, right, from the ground up. We, we were already doing pretty good, about eight or nine million in sales at the time Kevin came. Had van teams going, I had Kenny working for us. I mean, we were building a, a monster. And... Kevin uh, joined the team and really took it, took it from there and helped us get to you know, 11, 12 million a year in sales. He opened up branches and did that. But there were some uncomfortable issues with my pops. He doesn't like change. He's stuck in his ways. He doesn't trust nobody. A lot of that stuff going on. So he would question certain things. And you've seen sometimes he's like anti-sales guy. Sales guys this. He's gotten a lot better because yeah. he appreciates and loves that sales guys do that. But he hates that they sometimes take advantage of the system for all his guys that are working hard. And that's been a lot of years coming to where he's gotten better at that. As have I like to understand the relationship, but early on he would be very defensive and he would attack. And I'd have to be like, you can't attack, dude. That's not your place. This is, you know, this is, this is my company. And that was hard for him to understand. And he would be like, I don't care. You know, F you, whatever, blah. And there would be implosions and he would leave and there'd be implosions and he would leave and then we'd make up and then it would be the same nonsense. And then, So that created some issues. And then me and my brother had a lot of issues where I love my brother to death. He's got a huge heart. He's got a great soul. He's a funny, charismatic, great guy. But he's always been jealous. There's been an envious bone in his body. And my success has always been his failure. And even though he tells me, and I believe him and I love him to death, so shouts out to Jeremy, that I'm his biggest hero, it always bothered him that he wasn't my number one. He wasn't my right-hand guy. But I tried to make him a partner. I tried to make him early on that. You know, there was some envy of Kevin there early on. There was envy of me growing and getting successful and building the company up. But he had a lot of these opportunities and he blew them. You know, whether he was drinking too much, partying too much, whatever it was, he blew those opportunities. And I would give him chance after chance after chance. And so me being an older father now, and even a, you know, a, a gilf, a grandfather, right? You can figure out what gilf means, okay?
1: And um, is that funny to you? It's just, I mean, you just not anymore. You you say it every podcast.
0: It's a grandpa I would like
1: to feed.
0: I mean, look, they're giving me food. What the hell's the problem? So anyways, um, he, he was jealous, dude. And, you know, I probably I wasn't perfect to him, but I, I felt like I gave him a billion chances and he blew all of them. And, and, you know, I think there was some envy there and he felt like he built things and he used to be like, I helped you open this company and I'm this and super entitled. And I just never felt that way. I'm a big believer of, you know, if, if you didn't bring the cash to the game to open the company and you're not a partner and you don't have equity or stock, then you may have helped build something, but you're paid for that every day as you're paid. That's your job. The way that you get equity or stock is you're there long term and you're reinvesting into the company not in your pocket therefore you then become an owner or a partner or some kind of sweat equity deal what we do at power home you have seen we've had the greatest thing ever happen yeah i mean what our unfortunate times are going on and it sucks and god bless everybody out there that's still doing well and i prayers for your families right but we have had struggles to keep the doors open Going through this this time, right? And we've had 15 or 20% of our staff want to stay home or go what we call inactive. And we've given every opportunity. I mean, our backs are against the wall as entrepreneurs and business owners. Like, look, what do we do? Do we shut down where nobody can go make a paycheck, which is, I get it. And the company saves money. Imagine taking a pause button and going, pause. You don't pay anybody. You have no revenue coming in, no payroll, no nothing, right? Done. People go file for unemployment, whatever. Company doesn't suffer. In fact, Company saves money and flourishes because when everything's good, flip a switch, ready to go, okay? The other token is we have, I found out today, 907 employees, okay? Talk to Marilyn today. (laughs) Woo, broke the 900. We just had 854 three weeks ago. So just so everybody knows. (laughs) In COVID, we're hiring, baby. Hiring. 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 But here's the deal. When our company stood up, And, and we were struggling to, you know, we're struggling because it's like, what do we do? The executives, you know, a few weeks ago decided, you know, myself and the four other members of the executive team decided to go off payroll until further notice. We said, look, we're take ourselves off payroll. We're reinvesting in our people. They need it. Out of the 907 employees, I don't care what anybody tells me, about 850 of them need a paycheck every two weeks because that's the world we live in, guys. That's legit. Nobody's going to tell me anything different. People need to have money. I know they paused your mortgage and paused your rent, but you got to buy food. You got to buy water. You got to pay for your medical supplies. You got to pay for your doctor's bills. You got to pay for gas to go get anything. I mean, we have to survive. So the executives got on these calls, and it was hard, and it was emotional, and we are like going back and forth, and we're like, we got to keep the doors open. So we did that, and then we shared because there were some chirp chirps. There's always haters. There's always haters everywhere, right? You get certain people that work for you that it's only a job to them, and those people know who you are. You're on notice. If it's just a job to you, I'm going to represent the other 900-plus employees that it's not a job to. I'm going to tell you your shelf life is coming soon. Because we want people at our company that are all in and believe. They're 110% all in, and they're for the team, and they're for the people. But you get people that it's just a job. And shame on us for hiring people that it's just a job. This isn't CVS or Burger King or Walmart, and no offense to that, but that's just a damn job. What we do is a little different. It's bigger and better than that, and we have a, a, something we're trying to achieve. And we're trying to all be part of something great and change the world. And I want all our employees to flourish and have stock options to be a part of something fantastic and to protect every customer by getting them solar and battery and generator and protect their power source and everything we can do, right? That is a career. That is a lifestyle. That is power home strong. And so when we did that, we had a few chirps of these folks that are like, they're just trying to lace their pockets by staying open. It pissed me off. I took it personally. I probably shouldn't, but I did because that's just who I am. I keep it real, right? A lot of these executives and CEOs of big, you know, two, three, $400 million companies, they're not going to say anything. They're going to put their suit and tie on. They're going to shut their mouth. I'm going to say something and we're going to make it clear of how we feel. So we got together as a group and we said, look, we're going to let people know that in this time you have a choice. You have a choice to go inactive, take your vacation time, take your PTO time, stay home. Protect your family and stay safe. After that, we'll be unpaid because we can only pay the vacation and PTO time. But you still have your job. When this clears and it will clear, arms are open. Come back, baby. We're ready for you, right? We're excited. We want you back. You're not fired. You're not terminated. You're inactive. So therefore, you can utilize your PTO time. You can utilize your vacation time. And there's no penalty. And I get it. Everybody's levels of fear are completely different. Everybody's. Everybody is scared. Look, I'm scared. Shit, I'm human. I'm scared. I'm scared for my kids. Everybody's got fear, okay? So I can never be mad at somebody that has to stay home. We've got employees that got kids with lupus. They got kids with Crohn's disease. They have to stay home. I mean, we understand and respect the position. So the deal was as an executive team, took ourselves off payroll first because we knew we were going to lose some staff. You get an option to go inactive. Second thing we did is when we rolled that out, Um, we had people, we cleaned both offices, we had a fake scare and then we had people and I got to get back to Jeremy. So don't, don't think that I'm full circle in this bad boy. I'm going to get back to that. I haven't (laughs) forgotten. All right. So, um, but what we did is, is things were tightened up. We are getting more leads and more people saying, man, I'm scared. I'm nervous. I don't want to have to depend on the utility company. They already have grid issues. What are they going to do when everyone's home? What are they going to do when all these things What one storm away of everything shutting off? we get a bad storm done. What are you going to do? So I'm like, look, if we've got these people filling out these forms, Hey, thank you, uh, Dan. Appreciate you, man. Uh, If we've got people filling out these forms and wanting to go solar and battery and generator, because we partnered with Generac. There you go. Generac. I gave you a shout out. Then (laughs) what happens is, and they ain't even paying me to do it. Then what happens is, is we have to, we have to fill that void for these scared consumers. So I'm like, shoot, man, we've got these people that need to make a paycheck because unemployment's going to discount their pay, and it's going to run out, and they they need to provide for their family. So we have to we have to whatever it costs, even if we lose money, we have to find a way to keep the doors open for our people, because what matters at Power Home First is our team, and we have to be safe. So we have to bomb the places, clean the places, practice social distancing, try to change shifts around that we can, try to change loading times as we can, don't have sales reps congregating around the office. Any kind of layer we can do, that's what we were implementing. We rolled that message out. and You know what? All of a sudden, the sales team, our whole entire sales organization, all of the leaders from the district managers to the regionals to the directors said, you know what? We want to give back to our team because there's people making 12, 14 bucks an hour that are struggling, we're gonna take a part of our pay. We're gonna surrender and volunteer a part of our pay and give it back to the company to reinvest in those people to keep the doors open. It was emotional. I mean, that call went through. I had Kenny and Ben get on a call with me. They're telling me, and I'm and like, dude, I'm so proud of how our culture is and our team. I mean, we were, we were crying and we were like, man, this is next level, like, wow, right? So I wanted to share that story with everybody. So we put an email out all of a sudden people out of the woodwork and we're like, guys, that's not what we're trying to do. They're like, I want to give up some of my pay. I want to give up some of my pay. You saw the emails, John. Mm -hmm. I want to give up mine. I want to give up mine. I want to get, and it's like, gosh, like I get goosebumps. People are like, you know what? I'm giving back to our team. That's what it's about. It's about what about the girl that's got to go in and pay for diapers and formula for her daughter, the single mom. What about the dad? That's the only person making money for his family. And that unemployment check runs out, it's, it's limited, it's discounted. How's he going to do that? So these are the things that people were worried about that we had to address as a team. And every day, guys, we're still addressing it. We're having to overcome the odds. Yes, we're an essential, essential company so we can stay open. Yes, but you still have employees, which really hurts my feelings. You still have employees that still don't get it. If you're nervous, stay home. Stay home. But why are you ruining it or trying to get pissed off for other people? The owners aren't making money right now. The company's losing money, but you know what? We invest in our team and things will come back because customers still want a product and our team still wants to work. That's what we're doing. So in these times, we've continued to hire people because we know what's going to happen. All those folks we've lost, 10, 15 folks that are sitting on, on inactive, they're going to be active when we come out of this. Four, five, six weeks, and we've added other team members, bam, we're all of a sudden exploding, right? (laughs) Now we're not at 907. Dude, we're over a thousand employees and growing and taking it to the next level. And to me, that's what it is about. So that was a point where we had people stand up when times were tough in dire need for that. Early on in culture in my first company, that wasn't like that. You had jealousy going on, blood on blood jealousy, angry. How come that person's getting that? all of these different things that you know when you fail when you and i handled a lot of it wrong too i get pissed off fire, you're fired brother i'm done you know you can't get whatever right the end of the day when you learn and you can fail and you can learn from it it's not really failure it's a lesson you know if you lose and you learn if you fail you learn and i've learned that with family because you asked my first failure with family i have to be able I, look, it sucks. I love my dad and mom more than anybody can love their mom and dad in the world. I promise. Love y'all. But it sucks because my dad works for me. So we don't have a father-son relationship like he does with my brother or with my sister. It's a little different. So it's hard. And it sucks for me sometimes. It's like, ah, I'd love, you know, to be it normal. It's not. So, you know, it's tough. and I, it, I do the best I can, but I know that he's got our back, meaning power homes back, and he's going to work hard. And to me, that's that's worth maybe me missing out on some of that. But, you know, another big blowout we had is when my brother got pissed off at something and went and opened up a competing company, my dad felt bad he was drugged in the middle and that created a problem. And then me and him had it out and then he went there. And, you know, that's when you mix family and when you mix, um, you mix family and friends and business, you gotta be careful. I mean, we've come a long way. People think, oh man, they're great together. Dude, we've been back and forth, back and forth for years. And I've had to learn, and my dad's had to learn. And it's been, that's probably been the biggest failure is bringing them on and ruining or tarnishing, because I believe when you have big blowouts like that, hey, dude, I'm the first one, you know this, everyone that knows me knows this, I forgive you and I move on, dude. I don't hold a grudge, I don't stay pissed off, when I'm done, I'm done. But my wife, who's had a tougher life than me, I mean, I'd love to get her on here, true underdog, like, my life was, you know... I think mine's okay. It's not a big deal. I've just overcome some odds and I'm a go getter and I'm hungry. But her life, like when you hear the story, like you ball, you boohoo. And that's a lot of people like that, right? And that's what we, those are the stories we want to share. She's not the type to want to share something like that. But the end of the day, there's me. But at the end of the day, <laughs> you said
1: <We're>, it. <laughs> oh, shit. So, hey, before comes, you, like, hang on, before you go. So, you, you uh, I mean, you started with family and friends. And I, you know, this is something that I even said at our, our end of the year party, our Christmas party. but. You know, that is, that is the feel when you get into the company. And uh, to, to, to summarize this, go ahead and have some cereal while I talk. But um, to summarize this, you started with friends and family, and friends and family still continue to come into Power Home, whether they're an employee or not, but they surround themselves. And I think that's a powerful thing. But let's say – I'm going to say it anyway. At the end of the day right? – Hi, guys. Let's
0: see <laughs> you. Let's see you
1: uh, uh, Bob Lessery, go ahead. Uh, you know, when we get into troubled times, I know you've had your blow-ups with your friends and family, and that's a tough lesson that you've learned and probably started to get better at over time. When tough times hit like now, there's nothing more powerful than a feeling of family within the organization that you work. And that's what's happening. That's why people are stepping up and donating percentages of their pay so the company can keep the doors open and pay the folks that really, really need it. And that's a powerful thing. So if we circle back to your family and the decisions that you made early on, yep. I know it was tough and maybe, it's, maybe it was all you had to trust to, to help kickstart your businesses, right? Right. Do you recommend folks going into business with friends and family? I, look, I would say no.
0: I would say no. I know how good it is now, but I'm telling you, dude, I've got the scars. That's what I was getting ready to tell you. I may forgive, but I've got the scars. My family has the scars, and nobody's innocent from it. You know, I would love to have a better relationship with my brother. We love each other, but at the end of the day, he he worked for me. There was some resentment there. I probably wasn't the best. He wasn't the best. He had every opportunity to be bigger and better. He pissed it away. Then, of course, I'm an arrogant prick after that because I'm a big believer of how many chances you got to keep giving somebody until I, I believe this. I have a brother-in-law that works for me. I have a couple best friends that work for me and with me. I have my dad that works for me and my mom works for me. Those people should have my back and power home's back more than anybody else on the planet. They should be like, they should have it more than anybody. And in some cases, sometimes some of them don't. And that's the struggle that you have. And that's not a shot at any of them, but in different situations, there's been times that it hasn't been brought to that to them. And that's, what's painful because then I naturally get more pissed off. Like we're family, you should be all over this. And to them, it's like, dude, I'm doing the best I can. It's my job. So my advice to that is, is it's, is it's hard. And there's going to be different times in business where it matters more. There's things that matter more. My dad drives himself sick, worried about, man, we're spending a lot of money buying these trucks and doing all this. I'm like, dude, we've got this. When I need him to, man, you need to hire more installers that are, you know, can get this job done and not you know, have you know, failed inspections, right? Or whatever. Um, you know, My sister hears people talk a little bit and chirp in the office. And she's like, they're so disgraceful. And they're running their mouth about this. I'm like, look, you, you, unfortunately, when you get a big room of people, you got some bad people. That's what happens. You just weed them out slowly. It will work itself out. That's the shelf life rule, right? That's not the lifer. And she takes it personally. I don't. My wife reads Facebook and Instagram and people run in their mouth and stuff. I, it pisses her off. Doesn't piss me off. I don't care. I'm like, look, if you're gonna talk about us, we're winning. If you're gonna talk about us, we're winning. Good or bad, we're winning. What are you looking at? What do you see? I'm yes, was awesome. Okay, so listen. The, the, with my brother, though, I wish I would have been as smart and as gentle and as kind and as, as as thick-skinned as I am now. It probably wouldn't have went as bad. And I wish he would have been more as mature as he is now than when he was as a young, young man. It wouldn't have went as bad. And he could have been there for the ride. And I feel bad about that. But I'm also a big believer as you take care of family when you can. I got two things to say. Mm-hmm. One, just because you're blood related to somebody doesn't mean they're entitled to anything. I believe that I have friends that are close to me, just like a brother, sometimes closer and family is people who are there for you. Not because they're related to you. I know several people that have parents that are just pieces of shit or have siblings that are just, just bad. Like I'm lucky. I've got great parents. I love them. We've been through hell and back. I've got a great brother and sister. I love them, but we've been through hell and back. The relationships aren't as great as they need to be, but you can't, Dictate. You can't live by the rule. Blood's thicker than water, and I'm entitled to do this and I'm entitled to do that because I'm your family. That's bullshit. The people that pick you up when you're down, the people that believe in you and tell you positive things, the people that are there for you when you need them most and love and care about you and want to help you and your family. So, most of the time, it is your family, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's your friends, and sometimes that's okay. Because that becomes your family. And where I'm really blessed, John, is not only do I have my family here with my wife and kids, I have my parents and, and my siblings, but we have a family, like you said, at Power Home. In a Power Home, we try to build that culture where we got each other's back. That it's not me, it's not our team, it is us. It is all of us. It's the brand, it's the shield. We protect each other, we take care of each other. We know we're in hard times right now. What better way than for us to give back to our own? family our own power home family so they can provide for
1: their family and that's what's been really big without a doubt you said you had two rules that was one do you have a second or did you come well, with rule all? one okay no i
0: said two rules what what would i say the first rule was you lost me i
1: don't know you lost me you you go down these rabbit holes and then yeah, so we i said two rules so one you don't want to mix family
0: and 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 business and friends as much as you can because it's hard to deal with and and two you need to be supportive when they leave and and it's okay when they leave they're allowed to do what they need to do you can't you can't be bothered and 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 not that I was bothered my brother opened a company to compete with me and that didn't last long um but and it felt wrong but they've got it you know I want my brother to succeed or my sister like you want what's best for your family and sure. I think that you you know it it ruins the relationship or ruins how things are looked at when you have family work for you. Right? So imagine, imagine jumping in my brother's shoes. He lives in Florida with his kids. He's just recently divorced. Got a great girlfriend. He's got great kids. And he's sitting there watching our company explode. You know, that's just three companies though. You know, he was, he was involved in the first company, semi involved in the second company like late, And then very little involved in this company. Okay. So there's not a lot of building blocks there. Um, over time, he kind of did his own thing. The topic, I don't, I don't want anything for my family. I don't know what he said. I don't want anything for my family. Topic right now is we're talking about family and business together. Just so you know, look, but never touch 2019. So, you know, he's in his shoes and he's watching this from the outside and my parents live in North Carolina. I live in Michigan now. And my parent, my dad works for me and my sister. There's got to be a natural human instinct that's envious that's not a part of that circle. I can't imagine being in those shoes. I know that's part of it. I hate it for them. I w- wish I could make things work. I can't. Right. So that sucks. And then you always feel guilty. Then you feel guilty that they work for you. You feel guilty that you're successful. You're like, man, we're, the company's growing and I'm successful. You feel guilty because I'm a guy that likes to bring everyone on for the ride. I mean, I've got a picture here (laughs) up there. I've got a picture here where it was my 40th birthday. Okay. 40th birthday.
1: I thought you were going to show me the picture of yourself again.
0: Oh, shut up. That's so wrong. (laughs) But listen, on the 40th birthday, I want, my wife wanted to go to Turks and Caicos. Okay. And she's like, let's, let's, let's go. Let's take some friends, right? We don't have sitters for my kids. So my parents come and watch our kids. And, you know, we just had our house flood. So they had to come to the new house. When they came, you know, Prater's a good friend of mine, Matt Prater. His wife's birthday was the same week. So he's like, dude, let me, you know, go in with you on this and, and and let me celebrate her birthday. I said, cool. And they're our good friends. We have a lot of great friends here in Michigan too. We have a lot in North Carolina, a handful in North Carolina. We have a lot of great friends here in Michigan. So we all decided to go and all of them wanted to chip in and pay and we were like no because some of them some of them could afford to go but it might have put them in a bad position some of them maybe couldn't afford to go and this is an opportunity of a lifetime some of them could afford to go, and it's nothing off the top, right? I have friends of all dynamics. That's what I love. It doesn't matter what you have, right. who you are, how much money you make. It doesn't matter. If you're good people, we're friends, man. We're, we're family. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm good. You're that. good. That's how we do it. It doesn't matter your status. It doesn't matter what's in your bank. It doesn't matter where you live or what you drive. I don't give a shit. So, and they shouldn't either. But in order for me to do that, I can't ask couples to go to Turks and Caicos and spend the money that we spent to go for... And it, for my birthday. So I told my wife, we're paying for this. You know, we're, we're paying for it. And we did it and it was pricey. But let me tell you something. It's the best trip I've ever had. We went there and we all teared up and cried every night and enjoyed time as friends and we were thankful for things. And they all said kind things about me and I didn't want anything And They didn't have to, but they knew that, you know what, how many times in your life do you get an opportunity to spend and spoil things with friends? That's what I'm trying to say. I'm not about me and I go do something. i like to bring the whole group with me and we all celebrate. If we're going to go to Turks, we all get to go to Turks. If we're going to do this, we all get to go to do that. And that's how I felt about my brother. I wish he'd have been more a part of that. and didn't work out. I get to bring part of my family for the ride, which is exciting. And my brother-in-law and things like that, my friends, that's exciting to bring them along. And that's what it's about to me. And something I've learned over time is, you know, what good is it of doing anything? If you've got to enjoy it yourself, you got to enjoy it with the people you care and love. And here was what the best part was two weeks after we went for my birthday. I decided, cause we had a trip planned to, um, uh, Cayman islands with the kids. I said that experience that we had in Turks and shouts out to you. Oh, you know who you are. He's the butler in Turks. He's not on, but Oh, we'll know when he sees this. Um, <laughs> I wanted them to experience that because that was the best trip of my life. And so then we invited my parents. We invited my mother-in-law, but she couldn't go. But we invited my parents, and we invited my kids, and it was the best trip of their life. And Very we all cool. got to go there. We had our own house and a butler and everything. It was next-level rock star stuff. But, dude, if, you, if you're grinding and you're successful, you need to enjoy it with friends and family. You need to. That's, you can't replace a memory. You can buy all the shit you want, and it's just shit. But to spend time with people that you care about and love, that's what it's about. And, and we just that's where I that feel at,
1: guilty. Huh? Yeah, we just and we just implemented that now moving forward at at Power Home. We we're we want to give those trips away to folks that earn them,
0: dude. And those trips are the bomb. I will tell you, there's nothing I've ever seen like that. And you know, I think. Um, uh oh and, and what we need to do is is we plan on doing two podcasts but we'll do a part one and a part two so it doesn't matter we'll just keep going okay we All right. it's our show we can figure it out we'll tell
1: roberto and noah
0: figure that shit out we don't care
1: right on. Um, i'm at i'm at 15 percent battery by the way and
0: i tell me when you're like three percent we'll do a wrap but uh about to me and so my advice is you're gonna work with family you need to be careful because it does tarnish the relationship I don't care who you are it really does the situation you got to grow and adjust to it and two, you know be grateful for your relationships you have with them even when they leave and love on them and care about them, because you know when and family's not entitled to nothing because there's been times in my life and my wife's life with both sides of the family we're like look just because we're related doesn't mean we get to hang out and do things we have to respect each other our whole circle has to work out or it doesn't work. And we've all been able to get through those humps and hurdles that most families go through. But to, to me, friends are family too. I mean, it's true. You know, they say sharks are our friends or no, not sharks. Fish are our friends on, on Nemo. Yeah. Right. Friends are family also. That's how I feel. As corny as that is. I I believe friends are just as important as family. Good
1: friends. So starting over again, probably will not go down the route road of, employed friends or family but certainly sharing the fruits of all the labor with friends and family and that's that would be the important. message all right brother well good stuff what else do we want to talk about do we want to get into different subject? friends and family i mean we can go we, we could talk with... about bam we can talk about the birth of bam so we can talk about the birth of bam um i've got that right here uh what a Let's what is so it you want to ask me? Go. You look like you want to ask me something. Well, like, here's the thing. I'm, I'm. We've been on for a while, and that, but like, your biggest failure was almost an hour. Holy shit! Sorry, guys. We, I was gonna go into your bus- biggest success, but we can save that for another time. Maybe just talk about Bam. I think that was a pretty cool story that I heard once. Damn it! Why do you forget a charger for, baby? I'm just kidding, <sighs> dude. I know.
0: Like, I don't know. I just, I left it. There's a deal. deal. I would say biggest success business life or all life because if it's my life, it's you know marrying my high school sweetheart and having four beautiful kids and a granddaughter. That's it, and that's been work, right? Because when people are kids and they fall in love, then they're raising kids when they're kids, and then they're running businesses when they're kids, like and then they grow to. It's just like it's tough, right? And you know that would be my biggest success story as my family, but in business. I think it's our culture and power home.
1: Uh, You won the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year in the Southeast region and were nominated. That doesn't top that? No,
0: our our people are number one. I loved winning the award, and I was humbled, and I had no idea how big the award was or what it meant or what it meant for me or our company until after I got there. Uh, Ironic story, I didn't even take it serious until someone said, you know what that award is? The guy in FUBU won that. I'm like, Really? They're like, yeah, it was a buddy of mine, Brian. And he works for EY. And I'm like, shoot, I wasn't even going to go. So <laughs> I ended up going and then I ended up dropping the mic on the interviews and I ended up winning in the Southeast. It was like, wow. And then the, the uh, judges who were excellent winners were kind enough to say, dude, you got a great story. You keep grinding. You need to write a book or do a podcast and help motivate people and just keep it real. And so that's what inspired to do the show. But I think the biggest success, and that's a whole nother story. The EY thing, we can go down the story of how the interviews went. Um, but we can do that now. We'll we'll talk about the uh, <laughs> the BAM and the other stuff. We we got a few minutes, so <clears throat> we have a team, a PR team, uh, near media. And so shouts out to Sarah, Justin, and Alex at Near Media, and Roger Kuzna, who does all our blogs and story writing. Works for the company's fantastic, best best guy I've ever seen that writes stuff. He's amazing. So shouts out to Raj, but. Um, they apply for awards for our company. We don't know what awards they apply for, all kinds of stuff. We got all kinds of awards back here that, that, that I've won that I didn't even know I was qualified for. I didn't know what the hell that award was, right? One of them was the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award. You get an email, you're nominated as a finalist. Great, fantastic. What's that mean? Well, you're gonna have to come back to Charlotte on this date and do this dinner. I live in Michigan at the time. And then you gotta come back to Atlanta if you, if you, it, you know you go to, the, uh, to, to see if you win. Okay. Um, let's uh, let, 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 I guess whatever. Answer the questionnaire, we'll go from there. So then what happened was I wasn't even taking it serious. I didn't care. Brian comes over, we have adult game night at my house and on the adult game night you look like you're stuck looking at something. What are you doing? Just
1: uh, we've got questions. I mean just all right, all right. Let's, it, let's, ask can... some, let's let's do some questions. I mean, you can you can wrap up and then we can take these in a second. Okay. So show up to the event or not taking it serious. Brian
0: says, man, you're going to have to take this serious. The FUBU guy won. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, you need to take this serious. I'm like, all right, I guess I need to take this serious. So I called Raj the next day. I'm like, dude, we need to take this serious. You need to get on the calls. Let me know what I need to know. Done. So I schedule it and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I'm, you know, 10th grade education, you know, running third company. I'm like, all right, I don't care. What am I going to say to these people? They're all going to be snooty and arrogant corporate people, you know, whatever. So I show up, Roger's got a folder. He's like, Jason, Roger's a researcher. I have got the bio on every judge and they're here. All of them are ex-winners. Here's so-and-so and and they've won this and they own this business. Here's so-and-so. We're gonna go shake hands with each of them. I'm like, okay, okay, let's do that. So we walk through and we're introducing ourselves and we're just like everybody else. So side note, never be like everybody else. You don't win when you're the same. Just remember that. Back to the game. So shaking hands, and I'm like, dude, this, this is crazy, right? All right, hey, nice to meet you, nice to meet you. I'm like, dude, what's this gonna be like? And they're talking about the process the next day. You're gonna go through, you know, vigorous interviews with one group and then another group, and then you gotta do something on camera, and we're gonna get you know, read your bio and read your story and pick a winner. Okay. So I then, uh, then go out, and this is right before the NBA draft was coming out. The lottery was getting ready to be done. And Zion Williamson was, said he was coming out of Duke and he was going to get drafted, but, but the Pelicans just got picked for the number one pick. And there were rumors on ESPN at the time, look at us talking about sports and it's not active right now, that said Zion might go back to Duke. So I'm sitting there with this girl, Chevy, who is over the entire EY event there in Charlotte for the Southeast. And I'm sitting there with Roger and we're just chatting. And I go, oh, look, on the TV, this is in between shaking hands with all these ex-winners and judges like everybody else does. And I said, Zion is talking about going back to Duke. And she looks at me and she goes, oh, is, is that where you went to college, was Duke? And I said, oh, I need to go to college. <laughs> she goes, oh, you're the one. You're the finalist that didn't go to college. And a light bulb went off. And I was like, Ding. I have it. I know why I'm here. I know why I'm here. So I shook hands and did all that. Roger called me and You ready for tomorrow? Hell yeah. He's like, I can't be there with you. I'm like, it's cool. I walk in luck of the draw. I'm the last one to go. Nice. All these other finalists go. I'm the last one. I get in there, John. And when I tell you, I lit up both rooms. Like you could, I'm telling you firework city. I am not trying to toot my own horn, but I'm going to toot my own horn. When you go into an interview or you go in, Zion Williamson's a basketball player, plays for the Pelicans now. If, or you go, into a, you go into an interview or you go in to do anything, right? You always, most of the time, go, man, I could have done that a little different. Man, I should have changed that. I walked in there and I dropped that mic so hard. They were hugging and chest bumping me when I got done. <laughs> they were telling me I need a book. They were telling me I need to have a podcast. I knew. I said, I have just won. I walked out grinning, ear to ear, most confident prick in the world. Roger calls me. How did it go? I said, Rog, let me tell you something. You know how you go to an interview or a meeting, you go, damn, I should have said that. He said, yeah. I said, I dropped the damn mic, brother. And I sent him a text <laughs> with a mic drop. Done. We go to Atlanta two months later. I am super confident I'm going to win. I bring the whole crew. I'm going to win. I'm ready. Yes. Because I focused on, if people want to know, I'm an entrepreneur. I bootstrapped. I built my business from the ground up, all three of them. No no real high school education, no college, no money, no loans. Had to do it myself, working two jobs, busting my ass, working hard, kid at a teenager, you know, back and forth with child support, getting married at an early age, odds against me, everyone doubting me. I had to tell them the story in like 10-minute interviews. And I had them like, oh boy, right? So I'm like, I got this. It's my story. I got this. So we get to Atlanta. We're all juiced up we're ready to win. They show our category. On the category, we have a little film that every, every company or entrepreneur makes. They show the other two guys first, the other two companies first, or whatever, a few companies first, and they show all their philanthropy. Now, if people don't realize we do a ton of philanthropy, over a million dollars a year, excluding this year with our Go, uh, uh, Go Power, wait. Give Power. Give Power Foundation and with all the military makeover stuff we do and any other thing we do with St. Jude's, we always love to give back to the community and the people. But let me tell you something. We, I was pissed because in that video we didn't have a lot of philanthropy and those others focused on that. And my heart dropped. And my wife looked at me and she goes, are you okay? And I said, I'm not going to win. She said, what? I said, look, dude, those guys do this. and this. this what they're doing. I'm not going to win. I'm not going to win. They announced my name as winning. I was like, I was shocked. I was tearful. I walked up there humbled. I didn't know what to say. And I was the first winner. They had like eight winners that day. So I went up there and gave like a two minute speech thinking I had to hurry. And I rushed it and I gave my speech and I was all jacked. And I made the whole crowd go, bam, when I was done. Right. I said, this is what we do. We do building a movement. Bam. And I had him jacked up for my two minutes. And I had this ex NFL Hall of Famer that owns his own business. High five and me jacked up. I was like, I was ready. But then everybody went up there and spoke for five, seven, 10, 15 minutes, <laughs> giving a damn speech. And I was pissed. I was like, man, had I went last, I'd still be there from last. <laughs> oh yeah, you would. <laughs> I mean, I'd still be there. i like camp out. We ain't leaving. But it didn't happen. So uh, that would, that award humbled me. It, it, you know, I'm glad that we applied for it and won. It was exciting. Uh, it, you know, it, it really, Kind of put things into perspective of, of finally being able to say, hey, all the hard work, you know, you got your people and you got your company and your partners and your team and your leaders, but you know, finally something that goes to you, right? And that, and I, I, I never wanted anything for me, but I've also been like, wow, this is something I get to take home and and have, and this is cool, right? It's a, it's a token of your hard work, and it puts you in like a group, like a class. I get emails from the UI Entrepreneur of the Year winners all the time. You're in a you're in a, a society now that, that, that is like a, a selective group and it's, it's an honor.
1: That's awesome. And that's a great story. I, that never really gets old at all. Um, what do we got? We're at 9%. 9%. Let's ask
0: questions, answer questions. I quit so eating my what, cereal. A, I think we, it went old.
1: Yeah. We had a question. Uh, who is Zion? Um, you, you answered that, but you know, what if you're running a business just on your own? What if you're doing something solo? I mean that was the question that's the extent of it. If you want to take that into a different direction, you can well i I did open the business solo on my own and then brought people
0: on because eventually you can't do things on your own. Uh, you know the biggest advice I can give you when you open a business is learn how to scale it and teach people to do what you do and get a bunch of mini use so then you can multiply and scale it because if you just keep doing everything, then you're like the ice cream truck or you're you know you're you're just small. The only way to get bigger is to is to train and teach mini use and scale it and be able to. You know, you can't be greedy. You got to give back to the company. It's not about your profits. It's about building something bigger value, right? And so you got to give back to the company and pay your people. And I have three rules. Pay your people first. Pay your vendor second. You get paid last if there's anything left. If you follow those three rules and you scale it,
1: you can go from one employee yourself to to hundreds. A lot of people on here learning lessons from going in business with family and friends. Um, You know, fortunate you were able to make it work. Uh, but uh, a lot of folks struggled with it. It seems like what what would what, what advice would you have for a sixteen-year-old kid right now wanting to start out? Well, I've got to. You tell him to finish to- school.
0: Yes, I would say. Look, my biggest regrets regrets is dropping off the football team my sophomore year. Or I got kicked off my freshman year, and then off, you know, whatever. <laughs> and then. And then um, not finishing real high school. You know, I didn't get to do the prom, and the I didn't get to do any of that shit, dude. So, you know, I always tell people, focus on school, get your credits in. If you ask me about college, I I think college has a place. I think our school system's broke. If I had the money and the time, I would develop a new school system, like straight up. And it would be, we're going to talk history. We're going to talk math that matters, because we have calculators and computers. And we're going to talk business sense and skill sets of managing your money, responsibilities, parenting, different things that we could utilize in school. But, but I don't have that option and people aren't making that kind of school. So really, they got to grind and go to school. And if they're going to go to college, they need to make sure they know what they want to do. Because too many people go to college, pay for college, and then turn around and don't even utilize what they got the degree in. And to me, that's wasteful. Um, I tell my kids, I, I incentivize them to finish school and go to college, I incentivize them to do that, but I, I am strict, I'm like, look, you've got to pick something that you're going to do, not something that sounds cool, something that matters, law, medical, you know, whatever, pick something that's there, these, I've got this whatever degree, like, it's not worth the paper, it's on, and you spend a lot of money for that, my opinion.
1: Yeah, I'm one of them, I mean, I, look, I had a health and professional, health and fitness profession, Degree from Central Michigan, and now I'm in a solar company, right? So I mean, I wouldn't yeah, I wouldn't but trade you use that for anything. That to caterpillar where I you, have, but, but you use that to get you where you are right and i'm grateful for it and it can't be taken away from me but uh, there's a lot of folks and look it got me started it gave hey, me the Hey, by the way confidence. you just you just said folks I mean, dude you're rubbing off on me i'm telling you there's a lot of people i think folks sounds okay i i am going to i'm going gonna, I'm gonna to battle that one. i think i always I think, love
0: to ask this question on the podcast biggie or tupac go everybody God, go you always Ooh. ask that i know it. I, it's an argument all the time dude if you're with your for age, you an and your
1: friends but like
0: what what, if, what if people what did you listen to nirvana and pearl jam Was that country,
1: you i liked country i liked anything I that was on the top i love country. at any time hey here's i almost sent you this picture though i did so changes by tupac came up when i was working out the other day and i was Great like song I, I forgot even like i'm not I, don't, I, I suck when it comes to partnering songs with artists any of my friends will say that like I had the same CD in my CD player for the longest time. And it was like country and, and the Beatles and all that stuff. But, um, I was like, man, I, I guess I'm a Tupac guy. Pac's good, isn't he? Pac's good. And so I, then I, then I had to scroll over to Biggie and I listened to him, some of his songs. I didn't recognize any. So I was just like, I guess Tupac. That's correct.
0: Jonathan. He, he used it to get into, they, they said you use your degree to get where you are now. So let's talk about you explain what your degree did. And let's talk about uh, how John made, he got Jones. 9%. What's up,
1: buddy? I am at 7%. Yeah, so look, I used my degree to get to where I was. It, it gave me the confidence to, to step into a, a field that, um, that I felt educated in and I felt passionate about, right? And I, I expressed that passion and that led me to certain leadership positions within the company and certain uh, leadership positions just to simply lead, lead people within the company and not only, not only my clients, but uh, other trainers as well. And I got the chance to train trainers and train people within the company. And then that gave me a platform to jump ship and, and go to a, a a company that I thought was incredibly cool simply because I had a relationship with you, and uh, I stepped into Power Home and I, I loved everything about it. And uh, not related really, but you know, went from training to training. So I'm the training director at Power Home and have uh, enjoyed every minute of it. It's a, it's you know great what's company. crazy
0: is is no one understands our relationship. I'll go to a a district and they're like, "What is the deal with you and John?" Like our trainer, and I'm like. He used to be my trainer. He used to help me get buff. He used to be like a damn therapist. I would ditch and complain about you guys at work. And then all of a sudden, he's, yeah, he's, on, the, he's on the team. So, you know, it's, it's crazy how full circle always happens. And, you know, I think that a, a lesson also today could be um, always take that call that you're not sure about or always take that interview. That you, you always got to take a shot. There's so many times I'm like, I don't know if I want to call this guy they're trying to introduce me to. And it changes my life or there's, I mean, all this happens. There's never a wasted call. Oh, we just lost. Yeah, we just lost Instagram, which is okay. It's okay that we lost Instagram. But, you know, there's never been a wasted call. And I think with, with you, like going on that interview, you know, you weren't sure, but you took a shot and then you killed it. And then, you know, you killed it again and you came on and it was like, and it had nothing to do with me. It's not because of the relationship you got there. Yeah. You didn't even mention it to me. I, got I did it so not.
1: And I'm I, like, what? I wanted it to be so separated, where I was like, I need to know if I'm. And here's the thing: I thought I was a, like a front runner. You told Kenny to do it as a courtesy, just because I we had that relationship. So then I was just like, yeah. You know, when when that when that was said and. Um, I just wanted to make sure I had a fair shot. And so I, I didn't talk to you at all about it. And sure enough. Uh, and, and to be honest, when you
0: first interviewed, like Kenny was like, dude, you know, he's applying to look for this. I'm like, yeah, I guess. He's like, well, I'm not, probably not going to hire him. You should train. I said, no, I get it. Just be nice. That's how it went. And you went <laughs> and interviewed with him and you were a top four candidate. And he was like, look, John's really good. I'm bringing back for a second one. I'm like, I don't give it. Do what you want. That's fine, dude. That's cool. And then he had me meet this other gentleman, this other lady, and I graded them pretty high. And I thought he's like, all right, I'm going to make the offer to the lady because he gave you guys that assignment to come back and do a presentation on. And so I thought, I went to dinner and I thought, all right, that's the lady we're hiring for training. You know, I get to keep my trainer, John. All right, we're good. You know, whatever. (laughs) All of a sudden he calls me and says, dude, John just killed it. I'm like, what? He said he blew everybody out of the water. I don't even know what to do. I said, what do you mean you don't know what to do? He said, dude, he killed it. Like he literally dropped the mic. He did everything. And then some, I think he's our guy. I'm just scared to hire him. I said, why are you scared to hire him?" I don't know, man. Like, you know, him, and he was your trainer and that. I said, dude, if he's the guy for the job, dude, if he killed, dude, he's like, dude, he killed it. I said, well, dude, then then offer him the position man. you don't need my permission. dude. he went and earned it and he did. And let me tell you something. God sent a blessing. We're thankful and grateful to have you on the team because you know, you inspire a lot of yeah. folks in that area. You're a leader in the company. You bring an outside look into things, which is rare. You notice we grow within, which is fine, but you're bringing something in there that I think we were lacking and you know you're always helping people out, making them confident about themselves and better. And so I, I always think that things align uh,
1: in certain ways, and it was like the perfect fit for you to for, to to do what you're doing. I think it's perfect. Thank you. That means a lot. And the, yeah, the, it, it things happen for a reason. I'm a big believer. There's a long story behind it that my wife and I talk about all the time. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's been a blessing. It really has. I'll have excited. to hear that story one time. Yeah, we'll we'll roll through it at some point. So. Hopefully it's a good story. It's not a sad story. No, it's a good story. I've got low battery ticking in my ear. I'm at 4%. So we
0: chewed
1: right. up well, some hey,
0: time. Let, let's wrap it up here. So uh, thank you for joining John and myself here. We'll break this into two podcasts. Maybe one. We'll see how long it goes. Uh, true Underdog, Unleash the Power Within. Bam! 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 True Underdog. Bam! Bam! Unleash bam. the Power Damn, 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 building
1: the baby. Damn, <laughs> damn, 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 True underdog. Damn.